Welcome to Profits Affogato, a podcast all about growing a profitable business that pours over into your life. I'm your host, Sarah Verhayen, online entrepreneur, wife, and mom of two. I'm the owner of Marish Books, where we help small business owners grow their profits by embracing the number side of their business. It's our mission to make business and accounting more human. Whether you consider yourself not a numbers person or you think playing in spreadsheets is a fun time, you're welcome here. So pour a cup of coffee and join me for inspiration, stories, and action steps to create the life of your dreams and a business you love. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm excited to share with you my conversation with Carrie Roberts. Carrie is somebody that I connected on pretty early into my own business journey. I attended her virtual summit and learned a lot when I was very new in my business, and we've been connected ever since. Carrie Roberts is the founder and CEO of Carrie and Company, an online business management and virtual assistant agency that creates, implements, and manages simple systems for coaches and consultants so that they can expand their impact. She has been a featured speaker on many platforms, which I will list below in her bio. And Carrie is the host of Finding Freedom with Simple Systems podcast and the creator and host of Overwhelmed to Organize the Summit. When she isn't being a serial helper through her businesses, she enjoys watching sports with her husband, walking in the park with her two dogs, listening to podcasts and sampling tasty bourbons and catching up on reality TV. Hi, Carrie. I am so happy to have you here and to get to talk to you. How are you today? I'm doing well, Sarah. I'm so excited that you have your podcast and thank you so much for having me as a guest. Yes. So Carrie and I connected, I guess, over a year ago, you were one of the first business owners that I actually connected with in the online space. And your podcast is one of the first podcasts that I was interviewed for. So that was really exciting and fun. Can you give us a little background on how you got to where you are today? Yes. So it's been a windy road as it is for most entrepreneurs. I am a physical therapist, doctor of physical therapy, and I wanted a creative outlet, was interested in makeup through the period of getting married and whatnot. Stepped my toe into the entrepreneurial space as a freelance makeup artist. Loved it. Loved learning about business and how to make it better. That turned into me coaching people on how to have successful side hustles for themselves. The successful side hustle coaching kind of morphed into me seeing that my true gift was with systems and operations. So I rebranded to be more of like an online business manager as opposed to a side hustle coach. And then about a year ago, I changed my business model a little bit and went to an online business management agency so that I could really just stay top level with that higher strategy and organization and vision casting for my business, which also frees me up to coach my team, but then also pursue other things. Yeah, that's so cool. So what made you want to switch to the agency model? So I really wanted to do the agency model because in order for me to make what I wanted to make, because at that period of time, I really wanted to, I was considering replacing my full-time income. I knew that the amount of clients that I would have to see would very much feel like a full-time job. And I didn't want to trade one full-time job for another full-time job that had like time commitments because clients need you to be present. And when you're managing someone's business, you don't punch a clock, but there are times when you you do have hard expectations for like, this is a non-negotiable with like, meetings or checking other client or checking other people on the team and whatnot. And I was loving it, but I just knew that I never wanted to really work full time. And so having the idea of an agency, whereas I would see some clients 
And then other people on the team would see clients and then my business would make money off of both of us, which would mean I could get paid a little bit more than me just working in the clients for myself. That was really what sweetened the deal for me. Yeah, very cool. So what does your agency look like right now? Like I know that you recently added VA services. Yes. So is it uh-huh. VAs and OBMs? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. And so for people that aren't familiar, OBM means online business manager. And so if you're in a brick and mortar, I have a physical therapy background. So my mind always kind of goes to medical. But if you're in a doctor's office, there's usually an office manager. And so like when the doctor and the nurses are working, you know, your primary care and they're seeing you in the back that's called your back office. And then the ladies at the front that are taking your copay and scheduling you and running billing, that's in the front. So we call that back office and front office. And usually there's an office manager that is managing both the front and the back. So if that was an online, the back office would be whatever your services are. So for you, that's like doing your bookkeeping, maybe doing the accounting, those you know strategy calls with your client, And then that's the back end. And then the front end is your sales, your marketing, your onboarding, those kind of things. And so an online business manager helps you manage the deliverable side of your business as well as the operation side of your business. And then the virtual assistant is more or less the secretary. Like if we go back to that doctor's office example, she's the one collecting your copay. She's the one doing those random tasks that come up. She's the one that might be giving someone a book to read if they've got a crying baby in the waiting room or whatever. And that's what a virtual assistant is. They do a lot of miscellaneous tasks, but then they usually are very heavy in implementing the admin task that has to be done. So online, that looks like calendar management that might look like, you know, doing outreach and research and data entry on spreadsheets and those kind of things. So that's what Carrying Company offers online business management, which is more of like the strategist, the organizer, the manager, and then the virtual assisting is more of like the boots on the ground, the implementer, the admin doer. Yeah, very cool. So growing up and in your earlier jobs, did you have kind of a straightforward path to get to where you were? Was it a little more winding? And I'm curious of what skills you had growing up that lend so well to systems and operations. So I think I've always thought that the the path of me becoming a physical therapist was extremely straight, yeah. which is unusual. I knew since, you know, probably 10th grade, I wanted to be a physical therapist, went to undergrad, went to grad, never, never changed my mind. But when you think about the systems and the operations, I was at what, seven years old. I was, I had my own business. It was called Carrie Store, very creative. <laughs> And I made friendship bracelets and I did have a system for it. I had a system for the Mm -hmm. way that I organized my colors and I had a system like you would place your orders on Mondays. Well, I would bring my kit to school and you could look at the colors and I had like five colors was this price, seven colors was this price, (laughs) five colors was this price. And like you chose your colors and I would write down your colors and, you know, did you want a bracelet? Did you want a necklace? Did you want an anklet? And then payment was due on Friday. (laughs) And the bracelet was due on Friday and I would take the money that I would make and I would save half for myself and I would take the other half and my mom would take me to Walmart and I would buy new colors. Mm -hmm. So I would, I expanded my deliverables. I first started with bracelets and I moved to anklets and rings because I realized people, if they would buy a bracelet, a lot of times they would, now I know that's called upchart, upselling, right? They mm-hmm. would, I could get them to buy a bracelet and a necklace, mm-hmm. or I could get them to buy a bracelet, a necklace and an anklet. So I could make more money 
to buy more colors. That was like the whole thing. I want to get more money to buy more colors. So when I think about it like that, I very much, even at seven years old, I very much had a strategy around that service that I was providing. And then also I used to take things apart. I used to take speakers apart when I was little. I had a phone I took apart, games I would take apart. And it was always fun for me to take it apart and then put them back together. Mm -hmm. And so I remember when I was a kid, my parents would be like, oh, she's probably going to be an engineer. But I can see that that was like my, my strategic mind of like problem solving of how to take things up. Like, you know, you would get some furniture. I'm thinking like as a young adult or a teenager, buy a table. And I would love to look at the blowout picture and see if I could put it together without having to read the instructions. <laughs> so there's just like, that was always how my mind was always trying to like figure things out, trying to break it down in the smallest steps so that I could get it done and get to the next one. So I guess in the, I can see elements of me having a systems mind in like past years. Yeah, that is such an adorable story. <laughs> like I am so <laughs> impressed at seven-year-old Carrie. And even like the the systems you had of like, payments due this day. This is when the bracelets are going to be delivered. Like so organized. I could see myself just being like, okay, yeah, you'll get them when you get them. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. I've come a long way since then. But <laughs> and see, like when I talk to my parents and I'm like, yeah, I'm thinking about doing this business thing as a physical therapist going through that, you know, that traditional getting a college education and a degree and blah, blah, blah. It was like very scary to be like, oh my gosh, I think I'm going to try something different. But when I tell my parents, they're like, they can, see, duh, we can see you doing, doing something like they can see me in that systems mindset when I couldn't. So mm -hmm. I think that's kind of cool too. Yeah, that is very cool. So when you started your business, you were an OBM first. Well, technically this iteration of the business, I was really doing like business coaching mm -hmm. for side hustlers. And then I transitioned over to OBM work. Mm -hmm. What in that role was your favorite part of being an OBM? My favorite part of being an OBM is making the system. <laughs> That's my favorite part. I love like when a client's like, oh my gosh, my business is so unorganized. And it's like, mm -hmm. okay, tell me, tell me what it looks like and tell me what you want it to get to. Mm -hmm. And I love just being able to like create those systems. And it sounds super horny. I don't, I'm really good at writing SOPs, mm -hmm. but it's not really what I enjoy doing the best. I really like just like strategizing and creating that system. So if a client's like, I'm going to be out of town for two weeks, I need to figure out a way that my my business will run while I'm gone. It's like, okay, yes, find me up. I want to create that system. And then I want to manage it while you're gone. That's what I like the best. The other stuff I don't mind, but that's my sweet spot. Yeah. Gosh, I love that. Everybody needs a carry. I need a carry. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what's the part that you didn't enjoy as much about being an OBM? The part that, to be fully transparent, the part that I enjoy the least, because I think about it as far as like managing people, managing processes, and managing projects. The I love the project management. The people management is fine. I honestly don't particularly enjoy writing the SOPs, even though I have a whole SOP shop and I'm uh -huh. good at it. It's It's very tedious. And it takes a long time. And it, I can do a strategy call with someone and we can walk away with like a handwritten 10-step onboarding process, or we can strategize a five-step hiring process. I like that. But to write an SOP takes, like if it's a 10-minute 
video that a client makes for me, it'll probably take me about two to three hours. It takes longer to get the tangible product. And that's the part that I don't like. It's like, it's not as instant. And so when I'm in the zone, I'm in the zone and I enjoy it, but I don't like that it takes so long because it's like, I got to watch and pause and watch and pause and then go back and then watch that first section and then compare it with what I wrote and make sure that it matches. And then, you know, it's like chunk by chunk. It's a very tedious process. So it's like three hours to, to until we get it done. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd much rather just create a system. But even when you create systems, you still got to go back and write an SOP. <laughs> what do you use to write your SOPs? Are they in like Google Docs? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Cool. I use Google Docs for the SOPs. And then when I write an SOP, part of the SOP, which people that aren't familiar, standard operating procedures. So whenever you have a standard way of doing something, it should be documented some way. It could be a voice note. It could be a screen share. It could be handwritten, but it's really good to get it documented in some way because you will get to a point where you'll have to hand it off. You might be out sick for the, with the flu and need so you know, you might need your sister to pinch hit for you and just get in and onboard that client, or you might be on extended vacation, or you might want to hire, who knows, but you should always have it documented. So I like to use Google Docs, but in my SOP, a, a part of that standard written process, I do have a checklist mm-hmm. because once you know the standard way of doing things, sometimes you just need to refer back to the checklist and you yeah. don't need to see, open up this window and press and press the green button. And then wait, it's like, I just need to do a quick rundown. And so that checklist, I usually put that into ClickUp mm-hmm. and there's a way to save to-dos and ClickUp little tasks and ClickUp as a template. And so then you save the template, you can share the template, you can duplicate the template. So that's on a day-to-day basis in my clients' businesses and in my business, we are working off of the templates in ClickUp, but when it's actually documented, it is documented in Google Drive. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So you did a fantastic episode several months ago that I listened to that was the difference between an OBM and a VA, and maybe you did COO, there's something else I think you put in there. But if anybody's listening today and it's like, so what's exactly the difference? Can you briefly go over or even, you know, elaborately take your time and go over the differences <laughs> between those? Yes. So I made re- reference to it a little earlier about like your office manager compared to your secretary. But something else that I was exposed to that I really like is the idea of your business having four layers. I think it was Natalie Mm. Gingrich said it in her podcast and I really liked it. But if you think about your business being four layers and that layer is shaped like a pyramid. So at the top, the peak is the visionary. And every business owner is the visionary of their business because you created the business You want it to do something, right? You want to work with a certain type of client or you want to offer a certain service or you want to make a certain kind of impact or what have you. Some people start businesses merely for the purpose of making them profitable and selling them. Other people have businesses where they're making a difference in the community. Whatever the reason is, that's your vision. And you usually have to stay up high because when you're casting a vision, you've got to, you're always thinking like the future, right? So that's the peak of the pyramid. And then the next layer down is going to be your strategist. And the strategist helps you create a strategy or a system to to make sure that that vision comes to reality, right? Then the next layer down, so we're getting a little bit broader, is the manager. 
And the manager manages people and processes on your team. And then that fourth layer, the foundation layer is the actual implementer. So it's like, if you're at the top casting the vision, you've got, you have someone that helps you strategize and plan for the vision. You've got a manager that's aware of what's going on. And then you've got your implementer or the person that's actually doing. So if you put, take that to online business manager versus virtual assistant, the client or you would be the top, right? And then the online business manager can be for smaller businesses, like the people we work with, like my business or your business, and probably most people listening to this, most of us don't need someone that is only doing strategy because we probably can't afford someone's hourly rate <laughs> just to do strategy because that's more of like that deal, the director of operations. That's that's when you're really getting into a bigger company or maybe even corporate where their legit job is just to strategize and organize. In the online space, the online business manager kind of doubles as the strategist. So they'll meet with you and help you create the strategy, but then they'll also will manage, which is that third layer, so that you don't have to. Because when you're working with a small team, if you just have a strategist, and I think we've all worked with strategists when you think about when you hire a coach and you are working with them or you're hiring you go through a course or program, that's kind of, or you're working with a consultant, that's kind of like, I'm tapping into your zone of genius and you're helping me strategize X, Y, Z, but they're not in your business. So then you still have to make sure it gets done or make sure whoever's doing it is doing it properly. And that's that manager piece. And that's what an online business manager can do. So they can help you strategize for your goals and the vision of your business. They also can help manage the tasks that have to be done, manage those processes and those projects that have to be done. And then whereas the virtual assistant is not usually a strategy person or a manager, they're usually purely there to get work done. And so that's the difference. There are, I have seen where virtual assistants will kind of say like, oh, I'm a virtual assistant slash online business manager. I fundamentally disagree with that because I feel like your zone of genius is either doing the doing or your zone of genius is either managing and strategizing. Mm -hmm. But most people that are really good with doing the doing don't want to manage. Yeah. And then (laughs) there are people that manage that don't want to do the doing. Right. They're very different skill sets. (laughs) It is a very different skill set. And I I think about someone on my team, it's like, she's very attentive. She checks in. She's like, I need to make sure I understand this. And then she wants to be, you know, leave her alone for two or three days. She's probably working at 2 a.m. And she's knocking it out. Well, you can't really have someone helping you strategize your business and they're only working at 2 a.m. Because you might have to have banter back and forth and things Mm -hmm. like that. So I feel like I'm going all off, but basically an online business manager is a strategist and a manager in your business and the virtual assistant is the door. Yeah, no, that's perfect. That was very a great explanation. And I love the visual of the four layers and the different roles at each one. That makes total sense. When do you say somebody is ready to hire an OBM? I think that someone is ready to hire an OBM. This is a really good question. I don't know if I've ever been asked this. <laughs> I think someone is ready to hire an OBM when they have a clear idea of the direction that their business is going Mm -hmm. and they are like, I can't get out of the weeds enough Mm -hmm. to get my business where I want to go. And I know stuff has to be organized and maybe put together and I don't have the bandwidth to do it. Yeah. And I think that's when someone is ready for an online business manager. 
because an online business manager's key purpose is to manage and strategize. Mm -hmm. If you need someone to straight just do the doing, you probably can get by with a virtual assistant. Mm -hmm. If you want a virtual assistant and you're totally fine being the person to manage them, Mm -hmm. then you can get by without an online business manager. But if there's aspects of your business where you're literally willing to like, I need to give this to somebody, which is this project, this idea, the managing these people, then that's when it's time to get an online business manager. Yeah. And when you feel the need for an online business manager, Mm -hmm. you can hire all the virtual assistants in the world. They can be in the U.S., they can be overseas, but it won't fix the problem because virtual assistants are purely there to do work. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times what happens is people's, and I was guilty of it too. People see skills. They see someone in their team that they love working with. And they're like, I'm going to train them up. I'm going to pull them up. I'm going to mm-hmm. have them turn into the strategist. And it's like, either they're going, either they're a strategist or they're not, mm-hmm. but you can't. And what happens is the more and more and more you hire virtual assistants, the more and more and more people need to be managed. (laughs) So you might be all taking tasks off of your plate and giving them to a virtual assistant and all you've done is traded. So instead of doing all this work, now you're checking in with three, four, five people Mm -hmm. to make sure they're doing the work and they're doing it properly, which still doesn't get you out of the weeds and into that CEO role of being the visionary. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And it's so true. Like you, like, yes, hiring out, takes tasks off your plate, but I think it's very common to underestimate how much work managing people takes and just even like sticking true to the company culture you're creating and making sure that you're creating all the things that you dreamed your company to be. So when it comes to your agency model and your company, what are some of the like company values? Because I imagine you have quite a bit of experience in like hiring and human resources side of things. So what are some of your company values? I'm in the process of changing them. Currently, we have six. Mm -hmm. Making a difference, Mm -hmm. building relationships, having integrity, being dependable, growth, like both with the company and with as as individuals, and simplicity. Those are our six current ones, which I feel like are self-explanatory. But now, as I'm stepping more into the CEO role of my business Mm -hmm. and thinking about where I want it to go... Now I've pulled back and there's four. Let's see if I can remember them. Is still one integrity. Mm-hmm. So my idea of simplicity is it's all about keeping it simple. Like mm-hmm. we know a ton of skills and we are familiar with a ton of softwares, but we're always looking to minimize. Like how can we use the least amount of steps, the least amount of software? Like let's make it simple because a lot of sidebar, a lot of people sometimes feel like the more complicated things are, the more valuable or the more robust their businesses. And it's just not the case. Like you can keep it super simple. So simplicity is one of them. Another one is integrity. I can be very honest and I really like people to be honest with me. And I think we should have integrity with what we say to our clients. We would like to have the clients to have integrity with us. Mean what you say, say what you mean and respect those boundaries. Really, which led me to number three, which is the, which is a new one, which is boundaries, Mm -hmm. because I find myself work talking with my team a lot about boundaries. Clients can love us and they can want to work with us all the time. Don't fall into the trap, have the boundary, watch what we've contracted for, watch that scope creep. Like we, they hired us for something specific Mm -hmm. for a reason. And 
unless we have a conversation about altering what they want and uh, maybe reminding them about the expectations, even something as simple as I can't build your system if you don't tell me what you want. I cannot read your mind. So Mm -hmm. what we're not going to do is try to let me take a week and try to put some, throw something together and see if you like it. And then you're like, no, this sucks. And then now I got to go from scratch because now I didn't know anything. That's not to me, that's not having integrity mm-hmm. at all. So like you need to mean what you say. So if you don't know what you say, you don't know what you mean. Okay. Maybe we need to have a strategy call to help you figure that out. Yeah. But say what you mean, mean what you say. And then the fourth one, I knew I was going to forget one. Simplicity, integrity, boundaries. Shoot. I forgot. But anyways, it's one of those. <laughs> and I totally put you on the spot too. I didn't prepare you for this question at all. So I'm That's impressed okay. That's how okay. much you remembered on the top of your head. <laughs> if it comes back to me, I'm going to probably just blurt it out. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. So how do you, I guess, incorporate those values into your day-to-day interactions with your team? And especially with, I assume most of your team is remote and mm-hmm. you know working online. So how do you build right. that community and that connection and things like that? Good, good question. So We have a few things. We have some systems in place with how our team is onboarded. And then we also have some policies in place with how they communicate with us throughout the course of them working with clients, as far as like weekly check-ins and Voxer check-ins and things like that. We have team meetings. And then even like talking about the core values when I was like, I think I want to change them. Like Mm -hmm. we talked about it as a team. Sometimes I'll pop into our team conversation and just like, you know, shoot the breeze with the ladies or ask a random question or here's a here's a Starbucks gift card for the team because I appreciate you. Just any kind of thing. But really on an individual level, when someone comes to me or my assistant, my ops assistant about a question with the client, then we'll when we see the opportunity, we speak on it. Like this is an ex- excellent example of how come simplicity is one of our core values. So what you're saying is great. The client would love it, but are we keeping it simple? Mm. Or like you want to work with this client after business hours because they're in another time zone. I feel you and I get where your heart is coming from, but are we being, are we having integrity? Mm -hmm. Because when we have integrity with one client, we have to have integrity with all of them. So office hours are office hours, regardless of where you are in the globe, regardless of where I am. So those kind of conversations. So I think that we really incorporate the team values or the core values in an organic way when they come up. And then as far as team culture, like I really want my company to be successful and I really want the ladies on my team to be successful. So we have quarterly and annual check-ins and it's like, you're not in trouble. It's not a review. Like, I just want to talk, like, Mm -hmm. tell me where your head is. Tell me what you think I could be doing better. What, what kind of support do you need? What kind of ideas do you have? What are you working on in your own business? Because everybody is independently contracted. You know, I had one woman on the team and I was really thinking she would be perfect to like, as my business grows, to be, to have like more of a leadership role in my company. And when we had one of those calls, she was telling me, oh, I really want to open up an in-person storefront, blah, 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 blah. Well, her personal value didn't work towards what I wanted. So it's like, okay, well now how can I support you as you work towards that goal? And i I genuinely care about the ladies on the team and my ops assistant genuinely cares also. And we speak to each other like that. And I think that just genuinely caring and letting them know that helps with the company culture. Yeah, absolutely. 
So how many people are on your team right now? How many VAs and OBMs? We just went through some transition here lately because ladies, with with the time of recording, we're in the summertime and summertime gets tricky with online business managers because clients take time off and people, you know, we're kind of in a recession. So people are, you know, being really deliberate with how they're spending their money and stuff. A couple of months ago, we had three OBMs and two virtual assistants. And now currently, right now, aside from me, we have one OBM, that's it. But we will probably by next week have three OBMs and one more virtual assistant. We have ladies on the team that are just on hold. We've got three ladies on the team that are on hold. Their schedules have changed where they're not able to take on clients right now, but they're not not on the team. But Mm -hmm. I didn't count them because they can't see clients right now. Yeah. Awesome. So switching back into the SOPs, if somebody (laughs) is just like, I'm overwhelmed, I have so many things I need to get down on paper to, you know, be able to train them out and things, where does somebody start? I say start with the thing that's sucking the most time from you. Okay. And and if you want to document it, in all honesty, this is what I did. I literally was like, I got to figure out how I'm doing this and just put a piece of paper next to my computer. And for me, it was how I scheduled my social media. And I literally was at my computer and each step, I just scratched out some notes. Mm -hmm. So then that way, that's how I did it. And then, you know, it has since grown. Something else that's pretty dope if you do anything that's online is, and you want to do like a screen share, because that's really popular. Some people will just do a screen share. It's a free Chrome extension called Tango, T-A-N-G-O. And you start using Tango and it creates a workflow for you. So it records what you're clicking on and it kind of like types up instructions and like takes a screenshot. So it's like, press enter here, press this button there. It's really cool. So I say scratch paper or Tango is the best place to start. And just think about keeping it simple. Like Mm -hmm. having a a 95 step process is not, (laughs) is not impressive. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so <laughs> if it only is a three-step process to get what you need to get done, it's only a three-step process. Yeah. There you go. That's so good to hear. I've heard of Tango and I've seen it, but I haven't tried it. So good to hear that you've had good experience with it. It's really cool. Yeah. The only thing that's interesting about Tango is like sometimes it happens to me. I know how to do it, but I'm going so fast and I click on the wrong button. Oh, yeah. But Tango records every single Everything. click. Yeah. So if you're a nice person, you could go because when you get it, you can edit it before you save it. And so you can just delete those mistakes. Mm-hmm. But if you're like me and I wasn't that nice, when I sent it to my ops assistant, I'm like, hey, girl, I kind of made some mistakes, but you can figure it out. Yeah, just deal with it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You mentioned ClickUp. Is ClickUp yes. your favorite task management? I'm an Asana yes. person. So I, okay. So <laughs> I don't not love Asana. I mm-hmm. love Asana. So if we've got time for more story time. Yes, absolutely. I love Asana and I was going down the road of becoming a certified Asana pro. Oh, I didn't know they had certification. They do. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I was loving it, but I couldn't practice because you had to upgrade to the paid plan. And it was just me. And I just Mm -hmm. was like, I just fundamentally don't think I should have to pay so that I can practice these features. Mm-hmm. And there was one particular feature that I really wanted that I didn't have, which was a start date. So like sometimes you're working on something for the course of the week. And I like to look at my stuff in a calendar view. And I like seeing that bar from Monday mm-hmm. to Friday or whatever. 
instead of just the due date. And so I really wanted the start date and I really didn't want to pay for it. But someone wanted to be, was a lead. And that person, when I did the sales call, was like, I'm not hiring anybody that's not familiar with ClickUp. So in a weekend, I learned ClickUp and he ended up not being in the right fit. But I'm like, dang, I really like ClickUp. And ClickUp has so many more tools that are free. They have things like the start. They have things like, I knew there was a whole list of things when I switched over. I've been on ClickUp for a couple of years now, so I can't remember. But there's nothing wrong with Asana. But I do think when you're a smaller smaller company and you're really just not trying to spend money on stuff if you don't have to, you get so much more for no money extra. The downside is whenever something is more robust, it's a little bit more confusing and the learning curve is a little bit steeper. But ClickUp does have a really good education section as well. And they have like a lesson for everything. Mm -hmm. And their customer service is really good as well. Another plug for ClickUp, which I I think Asana does it too, is if you're in ClickUp or Trello or Monday or whatever, and you want to go to ClickUp, you literally like click two buttons and ClickUp pulls all that information over and then bam, your workspace is already just like it was at Asana or Trello or whatever. Mm, interesting. It's really cool. <laughs> yeah. I've been in ClickUp and like a program kind of poking around, but yeah, it seems it felt like too much of a learning curve for me at the time. And I was like, I'm comfortable with my Asana. <laughs> I think that if someone is trying to use ClickUp, I say, I don't like the preset because the presets to me are very overwhelming. Like yeah. give me a blank slate where I can just put what I want. Like mm-hmm. it, it's literally probably just tasks. Give me a blank slate. Something else that ClickUp does that made me want to get them, I just remembered, is they you can do screen sharing on ClickUp and save the screen sharing for free. And it doesn't cost like with Loom, you know, there's like a five yeah. minute cap. Mm-hmm. You can do a screen share like super long and you don't have to pay for it. And then you can download it. You can also do a Chrome extension. So like if you're in your email, because productivity experts say don't use your email as a to-do list, but some mm-hmm. like sometimes you'll have stuff hanging. You can have the extension on, in your inbox. I'm looking at mine right now and like click the click up button and make the email a task. Mm-hmm. So you can get rid of the email, but then it shows up in your project management tool. So you're like, oh yeah, I've got to do that. So I like, it's got a lot of little things like that, that I think are really helpful, especially when for free. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. This has been such a fantastic conversation. I love catching up with you and seeing where you're at. So to close it out, I'm going to ask you the question I ask all my guests. Okay. Is if you could tell Carrie a year ago anything, it could be advice, it can be encouragement, anything, what would it be? And feel free to give context around what your life looked like a year ago. Okay. I'm going to be honest. Not, I mean, that I didn't mean to sound shady, but I'm just going to be really real. So a year ago... I had just hired four people. I had just transitioned to an agency model and I was like super nervous and scared, but excited and the world was my oyster. And I was like, oh, the possibilities are endless. What I would tell Carrie now, and I probably wouldn't believe me, but I would tell myself (laughs) having an agency is so much harder than you think it is. And when you are working with people in your business and with clients, follow your first thought. Because a lot of the problems I've had over time was my first thought was maybe it's not a right fit. 
and I pushed in and ended up not going well. Or my first thought was, this is amazing, but I kind of didn't follow through. The highs and lows of owning a business are magnified with an agency. And I didn't see that from an emotional perspective. And I did not see that coming. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a lot of learning experience yes, for you. A lot, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But good. You know, it's yeah. like, it just makes you a better business owner. It does. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on here to chat all about systems and click up and Asana and all the fun things. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Sarah. I can't wait to hear, hear this. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Profits Affogato podcast. For all the links mentioned in the episode, check out the show notes. And as always, I'd love it if you find me on Instagram at Marish Books, screenshot the episode, and tag me in your stories with your favorite takeaway. 